Splicecast. Knock knock. Who's there? Wood. Woohoo. Would you believe there's an active woodcrafting community in Singapore? The Little Red Dot of Singapore was founded by Sir Stafford Raffles in 1819, and that statue, which commemorates where he landed, is surrounded by a skyline made up of towering glass and steel skyscrapers and stone and concrete colonial institutions. These materials are fantastic for this kind of architecture, but they lack a connection to nature. For that, you need to look at wood. Welcome to this episode of the Crafted By series from the Noah Knot podcast, where we bring you closer to the artists and craftspeople of Singapore. Right now, we're going to explore the woodcrafters. I'm Ken Delbridge. My background is in sound design and audio editing, and I like to think I've always had an appreciation for artists and craftspeople. Doing this podcast has brought me into contact with some really amazing people in Singapore, and the most amazing has to be the woodcrafting community. My name is Elena Ho. I am the founder of Busy Boardies in Singapore. My company makes activity boards and furniture that empower babies and toddlers everywhere. As a woman carpenter, people have unexpected reactions when they first find out what she does. First, usually people are curious, and then I show them what I make, and they go, oh, that's cool, that's interesting, because it's not something that is expected, I suppose. I guess it's stuff that they've not seen before, and they think it's a nice idea. When you hold a handcrafted wood toy, there's a certain joy. Part of it is because it's made by hand with love. The other part is because it's made of wood. I think the thing with wood toys, it's, it's a material. Wood is from nature. The whole nature thing is not huge because of land resource, obviously. So I suppose in some way, having wood toys help the child understand this is an interesting material that comes from nature. And it's also a more sustainable material. When you start a new business, the community within the industry can be either welcoming or hostile. Turns out the woodcrafting community of Singapore is made up of some really good folks. They've been incredibly helpful. I cannot stress this enough. I, I don't think I could get where I am without learning something from them. They've been very encouraging. Obviously, physically, I'm not that strong. So sometimes when they see me struggling with a huge piece of panel, they will help me. I can do it, but it'll probably take me a lot longer to struggle and drag drag the wood. If anyone wants to do just like a hobby project, I think the woodcrafting community has been very helpful. The local DIY scene here is nothing like what you encounter overseas. Countries like the US and Australia have a thriving DIY culture where completing projects for home improvement or just building something is almost second nature. In general, DIY culture in Singapore is very small and usually it's the guys who do it because traditionally in schools, once you reach secondary school, girls will do home economics and boys will, will do technical. That's when the boys do all the workshop stuff. So it's very uh, gender orientated from a very early age. Some women I talked to, they were like, oh, but you're a woman. It's amazing what you're doing. And I'm like, but if you're interested, it's actually not so hard to learn. My company started unplanned, started as a hobby project that I made with my husband, you. And it just sort of grew from that because, you know, you post on social media, ah, I made this 
and people, oh, that's cool. Can you make one for me? And then one for me. And then it just sort of happened. I was looking for a career change, but I didn't think this would be it. Becoming a parent, I realized there are certain things that are lacking in the market. Or if they are, it's made very far away and it's very expensive to ship here. I think children, very small children, babies and toddlers, um, can learn very simple life skills, practical skills. And there's not a lot of it for that age group. If there are, it's mostly for older children. As much as we want to keep them safe, if we introduce measured risk, it's good for the child, for them to know early, this is not safe, or if we do this, we must do this carefully. So my business mission statement has sort of become products and toys that empower babies and toddlers everywhere. I feel that any product I create or bring in from overseas, it has to help a child empower them in some way to help them learn independence. And from that, it gives them a lot of confidence. Children need that, I feel. If we start saying, oh, you can't do this, and you know, the first thing you say, stop that, you can't do that, you, you're going to hit your brain or something. You know, that's the first thing they hear, instead of um, it being something you should encourage. So I think changing the mindset and realizing that in some ways they are quite capable. And if you provide them with measured risk or things that are almost real, but still works, it's a good place for them to feel that I can do this also. And it gives them confidence. Honest artists had been repairing guitars at home and when he needed more space to work on bigger repair jobs with serious hardware, a guitar business was born. I'm Adam Chen from Guitaring Passionately. I build guitars. My guitars are called Adam Chen Guitars. I have been repairing guitars from home. The volume just constantly got more. I was limited by the space because there were some repair jobs that were considered major surgery or big jobs, and you need space and equipment to uh, do a good job. I guess it's the most challenging part about building a, a hammock guitar. It should be an object of desire. The stuff that I make, it is aesthetically pleasing to people and they are attracted to it. The choice of wood for an acoustic guitar can have a lot of ramifications during the craft process, as Adam explains. For anyone that wants to buy a handmade guitar, I think they are not looking for something that is uh, off the shelf. They want to look, want to buy something that is like uh, almost unique. There's only one such grain, or, you know. So um, when I buy wood, I try to look out for those unique features in them, so I could immediately offer it to them. One of his best-known guitars was made for National Parks Board. What started as a newspaper article trying to get more people to recognize the heritage trees in Singapore became an electric guitar. Senior Minister of State for National Development Board, uh, Desmond Lee, he initiated this idea of having a guided tour so that people could uh, sign up, so uh, there'd be a tour guide bringing them around Padang, the area, to show them about the rain tree. So I suggested to him that you need a head turner. And what do you mean by that? He replied. I told him that, uh, let me build a guitar using rain tree and put it right at the middle of the path of your tour. Then you will see people going there, looking at the wood, looking at this piece of ornament, whatever you call it, 
you have all the information about Raintree, that you achieve your goals. So after a month, I, I delivered the guitar and uh, it was played in the garden by the Bay Festival during that year. Uh, so it was played by a couple of artists and uh, now I presume it's still in use. What I found very surprising, other than the fact that Adam is a very approachable luthier, is that he's not the only guitar maker in Singapore. In Singapore, I think the market is enough for a few guitar makers to, to be comfortable uh, doing the job here. My objective is to build really beautiful guitars. If people call me an artist, then I say, thanks for your recognition. If people call me a woodworker, I will say, thank you. You recognize what I'm doing. <laughs> Wood also features prominently in another family of musical instruments, percussion, used in the shell of drums and for drumsticks. Pantheon Percussion is a leading manufacturer of percussion instruments in Singapore. This is founder George Leslie Paul. We are a custom drum maker. There are different kinds of construction for shells. The ones that we make here locally are what we call stave drums. They're made of vertical blocks of wood that sometimes we source locally, but we also have to import a great majority of them because the best tone woods are not necessarily tropical hardwoods. So we might get walnut, we might get the more exotic stuff like cocobolo, bubinga, and even stuff that we've never heard before, honestly. Many of them tend to be dense, uh, tropical hardwoods. For some of the shells, especially the stave shells, those that we can acquire the timber locally, it's 100% made here. We import the parts, but the assembly and finishing of the shells, everything is done here. Uh, but sometimes uh, customers want something that we can't manufacture because of space or cost considerations, right? And then we will have to import those shells. So that part uh, would be the finishing, the assembly and tuning. Drums don't make a sound until they get hit. And traditionally, drumsticks have been made of wood, with hickory a popular choice. But there are more choices now for drummers. There are many variants uh, nowadays. Um, with better technology, maybe you have different materials being used now. Several years ago, people started using metal aircraft-grade aluminum. Uh, they started incorporating certain kinds of fiberglass-type materials, plastics, you know, uh, because they have extra flex and rebound. I wouldn't say there's a move away from wooden sticks. There's an increase in variety. With disco in the 70s, drum machines became prominent. But the end of live drummers turns out to have been greatly exaggerated. Uh, the electronic kits were supposed to be the death of uh, the drumming industry, right? Or drummers even, perhaps, right? But it didn't happen. Maybe some drummers lost their jobs. But I think the drummers adapted to playing electronic kits live. There's, ultimately, there's still a demand for live musicians, even if it's an electronic sound. So far, we've talked to a trio of woodcrafters who work on smaller items. Roger & Sons is a woodworking company run by the second generation, who have expanded the business of their late father. In addition to carrying on with making furniture, Roger Yeo's three sons have moved the company into other materials and areas of industrial and product design. But their main material is still wood. Lincoln and Ryan are two of the three sons, 
and all three are involved in running the business. For us, wood is not that special, actually. It is a natural material that you have to hope and pray that the tree that grew is good. So what happens is that everyone tries to deal with it by making it into engineered wood to make it stronger. If you use solid wood, there's a lot of technical knowledge you have to know before you start working with the wood. If you actually look at furniture nowadays, wood is mainly just like for show. And if you think about it, it's a lot of metal and plastics that are in there as well. So if you think about it, wood is really not the best material for a lot of stuff. That's why we started moving towards using other materials as well. I think just learning how, how to make stuff is more important for us than to just permanently work with wood. Because wood is also natural, so we, we want to know where we can go with wood. Everything is from the earth. We don't have to manufacture something. We can just like basically maybe take a lot from like the road and then we can make something beautiful from it. The amazing thing about wood is that there's still nostalgia in wood. I think people love touching, feeling and even smelling wood. That feeling that it's something like vinyl, right? You can't get something like that anymore. So the idea of owning a piece of solid wood, uh, like a solid wood dining table, is it's a lot more... Oh look, I got a solid wood table, man. Yeah, you like, you will yeah, be proud of the yeah, table. You're more, you're more proud of it rather than just like a like you said like a IKEA, IKEA you know? table. <laughs> they love to get wood that national parks has cut down as Singapore's urban landscape grows. The logs are destined for disposal, but instead Roger and Sons use it for their creations. Uh, what we're doing right now is we are working with freshly cut trees from urban development. So Singapore's cutting a lot of trees down. Uh, what we do is we take these logs that the Singapore government is cutting down and we're turning them into furniture. So, but the problem is that we have never done this before. So um, the good thing about our client is that they know that we have never done this before. They are willing to take steps, mini tiny steps, to, to reach the final goal. So what we're doing is we're making a bunch of prototypes, making like maybe 10 pieces, five pieces and then at the end of the whole project it will be an entire space full of these furnitures. Processing wood that's been chopped down is a lengthy process that the brothers had to learn. So usually we buy treated wood so this time around we have to treat our own wood we have to dry it out we have to make, make sure there's no rot inside there's like no termites no fungus so it's, um, it's something different there's a whole learning curve to it. Preparing a freshly cut tree for use requires drying the wood. The brothers don't use a kiln as it doesn't respect the environment. We don't use a kiln because it, lo- it raises a lot of electricity. We try to make very little uh, environmental impact. I mean, we can put it into a kiln. You're wasting a lot, a lot of electricity just trying to dry wood out. We try not to do that, but what we do is that we dry it by air. It doesn't take as long as what people think it does, but it does take sometimes still, I mean, about seven months around there. The reason being why it doesn't really take that long in Singapore because Singapore is quite humid as well. One of their core beliefs is design with intention. Everything that we put and everything that we, we, we try to design has a purpose. Uh, instead of just putting it there to make it look nice. The idea is that your furniture has to be practical. You're not supposed to even think that you're going to open this drawer or you open this cabinet door. It's more like it's just second nature. You don't even think about it. I mean, it's the same idea as the push and pull door. So you don't have to think about this fun. You don't have to think about anything. And then when you walk up, you understand what has happened. It's just basically just trying to design things that it's a lot easier to make it more human-centric. With the second generation guiding the business started by their father into new areas, it's impossible not to ask if the third generation of Yo's will join the family business and continue the journey started by their father three decades ago. I would say that we're still trying to figure out what the second generation, which is us, <laughs> trying to do it. 
we're still very young, right? Yeah. So we've my although my dad started the business about thirty years ago, we have only taken over about four years. And the first two years, I would say, is just us really trying to figure out our own craft and trying to figure out our voice in the carpentry. Still ones, figuring you know. it out once in a while. We're getting we're yeah, getting, there. getting there. We're really getting there, and we're trying to like know what's up and stuff like that. Other than that, I think the third generation will be. It'll be a very tough thing, I think. Uh, talking to a lot of family businesses, trying to pass down to the generation, it's it's always a it's always going to be a big problem. Yeah, especially if there's a lot of um, sons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe daughters as well. Really. The daughters when they took over, yeah. Building from new is great. There's also a lot of woodworkers in Singapore who specialize in restoring old furniture. You see, Singapore has a reputation for buying brand new. Helping people here understand that restoring things is a great option is a challenge. It definitely should be encouraged because consumerism is a bit over the top and we're buying things we don't really need sometimes. Restoring wood furniture is a way to go. It boils back down to if I'm going to do this at home, where can I do this without making too much noise for my neighbour or it's too dusty. When it comes to wood, there's a lot of sanding and it's a lot of dust. I guess those are factors people consider and it's usually farmed out. If it's in good condition, it should be restored. It starts at home. It starts with the individual and it starts with not buying things unnecessarily. It comes from that. Showing that, oh, I bought this secondhand and let's fix it up to make it better. That's how you teach the young children because that's how they learn. They learn from watching how their parents deal with situations. I'll leave the final quote of this podcast to the young girl who inspired Elena's company, Busybodies a business that started from a project by her mummy, who was assisted by her daddy. This is Penelope Ann Delbridge. I love my Busy Bot. Support the local artists and craftsmen at the end of this month at the Boutique Fairs at the F1 Pit Building, March 29th, 30th and 31st. It features fashion, home, lifestyle and kids' items. There's free parking and loads to shop and see. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Crafted By series from the Know or Not podcast. It was written and produced by me, Ken Delbridge. You can get more episodes for free from Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing this. Learn more from our website, knowornot.com. That's K-N-O-W-O-R-N-O-T dot com.